Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and today we're continuing our study on Ephesus. This whole season is, you know, lovingly called Far Better by learning from the seven churches of Asia. And we've been studying Ephesus so far. This is just the second episode of the season, episode number 130 all time. But last week we talked about knowledge of works, and we detailed kind of the type of congregation that Ephesus was known by Jesus to be. And how if we could just stop right there and never have to go any further, it would sound so good. But unfortunately for them, there's more to be discussed. And in reality, we move now to the knowledge of weakness. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. What does that mean, leaving your first love? Well, there's really two schools of thought here. And I want to be careful. I'm not going to argue with anybody on this. I'd be happy to study about it if you don't agree with my assessment, but there's two schools of thought to this, and the first is that they left Jesus. They were what we call apostate or fallen away, Galatians 5, 4. There's all these other passages that can kind of be talked about, and we do know that there were churches that had kept the name but not the practices, and they kept the name but not the principles. And obviously, that that can't be that you're a church of Christ if you don't do what Christ wants you to do. So that's the first school of thought. And I, I won't argue with anybody who proposes that that is the problem in Ephesus. However, there's a second option here that I think has more merit. And it's that they left their desire and love for doing the work of the Lord. They were still doing the work that God had set out for them to do. I mean, we we talked about that last week, the knowledge of works. He knew them to be a working congregation. But when we talk about leaving your first love, I think that's the whole point. It doesn't make much sense to me, at least, to say that they had left Jesus because he knew them. We know those that are in sin have been separated from God. You might recall Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor ear heavy that it cannot hear. But what? Your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Those that sin are separated from God. He hides his face from them, but such was not the case for the congregation in Ephesus. Their history of service has clearly been on display, and they understood church service. They were doing the work of a church. It must be then that the desire to do it was gone. And I think that that is a a picture that we can all understand, especially those of us that are married. There are moments where doing the dishes or a load of laundry, mowing the grass, whatever it might be, there are moments where it is not a struggle whatsoever to accomplish those specific tasks. Then there are times where you just want to do basically anything else. The desire has to be there, right? They're simply going through the motions 
of doing church work. Checking boxes instead of fully being in for it. They did the work that was necessary because they had to do it, not because they wanted to do it. It was rooted in coldness and formality, and it couldn't be allowed to stay this way. Jesus gives them the only solution that would strengthen them. Well, they had fallen and needed to go back. In order to get back on track, Jesus tells them to do three things. Remember, verse 5, therefore from where you have fallen. So remember what God had wanted from them all along. How it felt to serve because of love, not obligation. How they felt serving Jesus and ultimately what life was like when they did the work because they wanted to do it. A mindset of this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Perhaps today, among too many of our congregations, we would find people needing the exact same reminder to remember where we had fallen from. We'll say more about that next week, but I do think it needs to be pointed out that are there churches right now that meet across this country and world that need to remember where they fell from, if that's the right way to put it? They need to remember where they were to where they are. It doesn't take much for us to see that and realize we're not where we need to be if we're doing things the way God would not have us to do them. The second thing they needed to do was to feel remorse. That's literally what the word repent means. And I want it to be said, this is where I think sometimes we get kind of bogged down. When we we look up this word in the Greek itself, it can mean to repent in the sense of repenting of a sin. It, It can also mean to change one's mind, to feel remorse, to repent or to be converted. And I think it's important that we point out in Genesis chapter 6 that God repented of making man, but that didn't mean that he had committed a transgression. I believe, from everything that I can tell from this church in Ephesus, that their mindset of repentance was putting themselves back where they were at one point so that further removal does not need to take place. They were clearly on the path of removing themselves from where God would have them to be. There there was clearly something that needed to be done because what they were doing wasn't working. And as we look at their lives, they're told to repent for their lack of proper love. And that attitude could lead to their love continuing to decay further and further away, and it would clearly put their souls in jeopardy. Then after remembering and repenting, they must repeat their first fruits or works that they had done in the beginning. They had to reveal the same vigor that was buried. They they couldn't just have a, a sense of duty as their motivating factor. If they didn't get back on track, there's gonna be consequences. And this is why I want it to be pointed out that I struggle saying that they were apostate. I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, wait a minute. If the candlestick, the lampstand, is what symbolizes the church there being a church of Christ, that I'm holding you in my hand, I've got you. 
And as long as you're worthy of being held in my hand and you're doing the works of that I have, you know, commanded you to do, you'll be in your spot, in its place. Wouldn't removal then mean that they were apostate? I struggle to say that it would mean something different. Remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. They would become extinct. Watch verse 20 of chapter 1. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw on my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Friends, are we to suggest, are we to suggest that there are places today that are apostate from Christ and yet from the proverbial sense of what these passages mean for us today, their lampstand still remains intact with Christ? That he hasn't removed them, blotted their name out from the book of life, which coincidentally we also see in this book? I, I don't think that that's a fair assessment of Scripture to suggest that they were apostate and then to have Jesus come and say, if it gets worse, I'll remove you. Then they would have already been removed. Now, they needed to do more than just what verse 6 tells us. You know, this you do have going for you. Hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, but wait a minute. The proper hatred that they have for these individuals, and I want it to be known, too, God never said he hates the Nicolaitans. God says he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. This whole campaign that we used to popularize years and years ago, it's kind of fallen out of style, and I understand why, but love the sinner, hate the sin. But that's exactly what verse 6 is really telling us. He, he doesn't hate the Nicolaitans. He hates their deeds. And even though Ephesus was known as hating the deeds of these individuals, just as Jesus hates, it wasn't enough to put them into a position where they were doing exactly what God would have them to be. It doesn't change anything. If we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves in the exact same path, the exact same pattern, and the exact same location. But Jesus does end this with some encouragement. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I want that to be pointed out too before we close out today. This isn't just for Ephesus to consider. This is for the churches both those in this time period and even in our time period. To him who overcomes, I'll give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Follow Jesus with joy and zeal or be in danger of having a lampstand removed. Knowledge of weakness. How sad, how horrifying that this 
could be said of so many of us today, couldn't it? I don't want to get into my text takeaways for next week, but this could be said of any one of us. Lord willing, next week we'll pick up. We'll do our text takeaways from Ephesus, and then we will have one of these seven churches done with just seven more to go. Because remember, May 29th, we're talking about the church today. Until next time, don't forget to please God now so our eternity can be far better.